0: Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda.
1: This week on The Agenda, the double-edged sword of AI. Is it a genuine breakthrough for civilization or a looming ethical and security disaster? the most talked about technology since the birth of the Internet. It's going to change the way we live and work, creating a new industrial revolution. I'm talking, of course, about generative AI, artificial intelligence. But at the recent World Economic Forum in Davos, Chinese Premier Li Chang said AI is a double-edged sword. Massive opportunities, but also huge risks to global security. At that forum, I spoke to the chief technology officer of SAP, one of the world's largest software firms, to get his take.
2: Like with all technology, technology per se is a tool. And mankind has tools for millions of years. And now we have a new one with AI and generative AI. And of course, it's it's on us to shape how that tool is being used. Of course, we want to put it to good use.
1: You want to put it to good use? But you need to work together. So how do you see that collaboration and cooperation happening so that everyone's on the same page?
2: Yeah, we do see a very good collaboration with all kinds of governments and private sector as well. We see um, a more and more harmonized way of where regulations are going. And therefore, we are not completely there yet, but it's on a good trend to set, a let's say, a baseline of what needs to be in place to use their technology.
1: It is quite patchwork though, if you look at it from uh, different global perspectives. Uh, The the EU's rules, they they seem quite far reaching. The US has maybe a lighter touch. Which one's your preferred direction?
2: Um, Of course, as a global technology company, we would love to have one set of rules. But we are used to the fact that this is not the case. And we do see that it goes into the similar, similar directions with the EU AI Act. It's a low, it's a low bar that is to be crossed, but we see similar directions in all kinds of all parts of the world, actually. And good thing is that at SSAP, we set the bar higher than any discussion that is going on in the world at the moment to ourselves.
1: But you also talk about supercharging AI. What do you mean?
2: supercharging AI and the ultimate goal is to supercharging humans. Many uh, studies, uh, for example, we talked to Stanford yesterday, um, show that a human being you can interact with that has all the AI and gen AI support, for example, in a call center, you want to deal with the human. But that human, of course, is much happier If they have all the tools, if they can serve you better when you have an issue. So therefore, supercharging humans is what our ultimate goal is.
1: So you're saying AI, the rise of AI, isn't going to take away everybody's jobs?
2: It will not take away everybody's jobs. It will change. It will take away tasks that we do today. And I like to refer back to the invention of computers. Mm. Many people don't know, but computing was a job you would come to the office, you would have like hard mathematical tasks to do and you would compute them. And then computers were invented and then people could decide. Either you would say, okay, I I don't want to deal with this new technology. And of course, then after a certain point in time, you don't have that traditional computing job anymore. (laughs) Or for example, you become a programmer and you go up the chain. So AI, Gen AI will create a lot of new jobs. We see that today. It will change existing jobs and not AI will take away jobs, but humans that leverage AI will take away jobs from humans that do not leverage AI.
1: I think you've said that the AI can cut two hours work to just 15 minutes. How is that going to happen and what's that going to mean for our productivity?
2: The productivity will go up i used that example actually myself internally at sap um to prepare for a board meeting like financial analysis and we gave a generative ai system some of the re- required data and then it did a bunch of analysis which actually i could then use um, in our executive board meeting
1: so anyone can be a cto
2: I, I hope that more <laughs> more people can be a CTO. So we need amazing CTOs all over the world, amazing tech companies all over the world, and this technology will help. We, especially as a CTO, you need to stay curious and always try out these new technologies and then take away what is best for the team and for you and for the company.
1: Now, we've already been talking about AI being the big buzz here in Davos, but it's, been some, it's something that, that you and SAP have been researching you know, for, for decades. So what have you learned?
2: we learned a lot over the over the years and initially with narrow ai what you had to do is you had to build an ai model for each and every small use case for example our customers of course interested when i send an invoice when will people pay You can build a model to predict this, but that model had to be retrained over and over again for every customer. And now what we have with large language models, it's much easier to train those. Also we work on our model on tabular data to train and predict this. And we don't need so many different models. These large language models, they are very, very good in serving multiple different tasks. And that helps us a lot. Also, we learned a lot on the ethical and responsibility side. How do you do that? You need customer consent to use their data, to train your models. Um, a lot of things that we learned.
1: You mentioned ethics there, I, and, and, and that's really quite key to a lot of the conversations that are happening in the corridors of power here in Davos. Is that the feeling you're getting?
2: Yes, we our SAP business AI, we say it needs to be relevant. Otherwise, why would you care? And we embed AI into our applications to achieve that. It needs to be reliable. We combine large language models with company-specific data that is stored in SAP systems to get to the best results, ideally with our hallucinations. And then, as you mentioned, um, responsibility, using it in a responsible way. That is actually the main topic here in Davos. And there we also learned a lot and did a lot over the last couple of years.
1: Because you you are a company that creates software to help businesses run their, their, their systems now, what are your clients saying to you that are the biggest challenges that their biggest concerns
2: um, we have um, software for all kinds of areas in finance in supply chain in HR procurement customer experience and all the technologies that support this and they really just want support I give you an example of analytics we with just ask we launched a feature that you can just in natural language, ask your questions about a state of, for example, now logistics. Um, Where is my material? Um, Where did I get it from? When will it come? And these questions now can be asked in natural language and everyone gets the, the correct answer. And then as a team, you're on the same page. You're not debating numbers. You're not having like different versions of the truth. You have this one version and you can easily interact with the system.
1: Your program might say something, the, the, the data might give you these tools, but then you look at what's happening in the world and you, you come up a, a against certain barriers. And just think about what's happening in global supply chains now, that you might not have been able to predict, that AI might not have been able to predict. Then what do you do?
2: So that's important to say AI is not a superpower. So if there's a conflict, for example, now in the Red Sea, and ships need to do a tour across uh, Africa, and there's a two week delay, No technology will prevent that and no technology I know of will be able to predict that exactly. But what you can do, and companies who implemented SAP the right way, they have perfect visibility. They know where things are, where goods are. And SAP has the largest business network in the world. So actually, even if things happen, you can reach out and try to find alternative suppliers. And then maybe you may, can make the informed decision to not get those goods via ships, but maybe via a train. Or worst case, of course, most expensive, the least uh, attractive for the environment, to fly certain lighter, smaller parts of high value in. And then you don't need to stop production, for example.
1: You're saying this, though, as a a big company with contingencies. You can look at those alternative routes, those alternative possibilities. What about if you're a small or medium-sized firm? You might be nimble, but you might not have that that backup that you're talking about.
2: We enable exactly those firms as well, 80-ish percent. Of the SAP customers are small and medium sized enterprises and on the SAP business network we have millions of companies that are present there and they have exactly those assets that we provide even as a smaller more nimble company.
1: So you're very excited about the possibilities of the future and what AI can bring what could potentially hold you back I'm, I'm looking at the big Um, political picture. This is a big year for elections. Could what happens in America and the European Parliament in other parts of the world change the direction and influence decisions companies like yours make?
2: We are a global company and of course I'm the CTO, so I can best talk to technology topics. Of course, everything that happens in the world has influence, but what we do see is independent of um, government, for example, Companies want to work together, companies want to be efficient. And as SAP, we are very, very well positioned because we have companies and customers all over the world. We bring them together as being partners, as being suppliers, as being customers of each other. And that we see happening independent of what is happening in the world.
1: It's been a pleasure talking to you, Jürgen. So we heard there about the risk of an increasing technology divide between the haves and the have-nots. But how is that playing out in practice and how important is global trust in that equation? To get an insight, I spoke to Bosun Tijani, Nigeria's Minister of Communications, Innovation and the Digital Economy.
0: And I think you know, for the portfolio that I hold in Nigeria, for instance, technology, especially digital technologies, is partly responsible uh, for... Why that trust has been ruined because people uh, can now share information that is factual, non factual about their society, about how they governed, and all these come together at a time when our world is going through significant uh, challenges. Uh, thereby, you see citizens questioning uh, whether the leaders truly understand what they're going through and if they can trust the leaders. I think the technologies, digital technologies, still offer a significant opportunity for us to bridge that gap if we communicate effectively, but also transparently.
1: There has been a buzz about digital innovation for, for years now. Yeah. And AI at first seemed, seemed to, to be um, a low murmur in the conversation. Mm. But now we've got GPT yeah. and other generative um, artificial intelligence yeah. tools, um, tools. Everyone's talking about not just the opportunities, uh-huh. but the risks, you know, as you mentioned. So what's your take? How worried should we
0: be? It's a a significant question. I think we should be worried uh, because of the power of of artificial intelligence. It offers humanity uh, the opportunity for us to use it to do things that we've never been able to do before. Uh, The opportunity for us to also get machines to uh, think probably in ways that we can't think and probably take decisions that humans are unable to take. Uh, I think that may be because these machines by the power of AI models, uh, they get a chance to be able to aggregate deep insight and based on the insight, historical knowledge, can take decisions that we can take. So so we should obviously prepare to manage it better. I think humanity has done this over the years where phenomena come and we find ways to regulate it, manage it appropriately to create value. Uh, but I also think we shouldn't allow that to erode Uh, the opportunities that we have in it to to develop. Uh, There's so many parts of the world that can use uh, better insights so that we can manage our resources better uh, so that we can put the little resources we have to good use for our people. I think AI gives us that chance to do things smarter, faster Uh, but with every every good thing is also significant challenges as well. So that's the the big problem, our challenge that leaders have to face today and fix Uh, so we should be positive about it.
1: So let's talk about Nigeria, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, Mm -hmm. the number one startup hub in all of Africa. China's president, Xi Jinping, said last October that he wanted China to invest more in Nigeria's economy digital
0: economy. So how do you see that playing? As far as time is what we welcome it, uh, because uh, Nigeria has the sixth largest population. I think historically people tend to see it as a problematic nation. But the reality is that it's a significant country that can contribute to, to the world in immense ways. You know. When you think of the fact that currently workforce shortage all over the world is a big problem. Nigeria is a native, in a way, English-speaking country. Uh, you know, there's significant contribution we can we can add to the world. Very youthful population as well, 60% of our people are under the age of 25, uh, which means the workforce that we need to continue to power economies all over the world, Nigeria can actually significantly contribute to that and when you look at the resources as well uh, food security challenges is something Nigeria can can contribute to what we need to do is to mainstream access to knowledge and that's where digital economy comes to play if we want to diversify economies like Nigeria we have to ensure that we're applying digital technologies to raise the level of productivity in key sectors in countries like that and that is where you know investing in the digital economy is not just helping Nigeria to raise its own at productivity level and provide for its people is also empowering a significant country to contribute to world development as well.
1: But what about talent? There's a bit of a race for, for global talent. And I'm wondering if you're seeing things like you know, entrepreneurs and, and engineers as, as maybe being that um, geostrategic assets now and, and where's nigeria in that
0: conversation it is but, but the question is is there really a race for talent for global talent i don't think so i think quite a number of countries are aging if you look across europe uh, you know the population is is dwindling it's so there's really no competition. I think the, world, the gap in global workforce is significant, and we must come together to fix it. And that's where countries like Nigeria can really play uh, you know, significant roles, if we accelerate talent development. And that's what this government has been investing in. Our president is extremely bullish about it, not just in technology across several tech sectors. The first thing I did as a minister when I was appointed was to launch uh, a talent uh, accelerator program. is looking to train 3 million technical talent and that's been well received in the country and so we do see nigeria not being able to supply the technical talent that it needs to develop its own digital economy but also nigeria becoming a net exporter of technical talent globally as well
1: still to come here on the agenda free for all or a massive money spinner we'll consider how the world's tech giants are looking to monetize ai find us on your favorite podcast we'll see you there find
3: the beijing hour at precisely 6 p.m beijing time we meet you on podcast and on air every weekday the beijing hour your window on china and the rest of the world
1: Welcome back to The Agenda. Many people's main interaction with AI now will be through the likes of ChatGPT, which for most is a free service. So where is there money to be made in this new tech revolution? Well with me now is Jose Paramoyano, professor of Digital Strategy at the International Institute for Management Development. Thanks for coming on the agenda. Now investors have piled into AI in sectors from, from manufacturing to healthcare, helping them operate. So, but when is it going to start making money?
3: Thank you very much for the invitation and thank you very much for the question, which is definitely one of the most relevant ones for investors and business leaders. To answer it, I would say that first we need to understand that artificial intelligence is a tool, a tool that can be used in many different forms within the organization. So what organizations are doing these days or starting to do these days is to use specific tools for addressing specific problems. What we will observe in the near future is that teams utilizing these tools are going to address those issues, those problems, in a better way than teams don't using this AI-enabled or AI-based tools and therefore their performance in general is going to be better now what is going to be the exact financial effect of using that tool artificial intelligence based tool that's difficult to answer but what I am sure that we're going to observe as we have started to observe already is that the teams within the organization that use these tools are going to perform better than those don't using them
1: all of the the big tech companies, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, they highlighted in their earnings um, reports the role of artificial intelligence in monetizing their AI ambitions. But um, how can they rely on those corporate customers, on those corporate customers paying for things like cloud services? Um, And the the technology is changing just so fast and consumers are getting Mm. it for free.
3: Yes. what consumers are getting for free now is, if you like, a, a, a version of uh, ChatGPT, right? Open AI version. Or what we get for free is Facebook, the social network. Now, the ones paying for that in the first case are those that pay for the extra license, for the, the, the couple of dollars a month that gives them access to some premium features. And they are many. And many people are paying for, for that. So in the case of OpenAI, I would expect that as they continue increasing the breadth of services that they offer, more people are going to uh, continue paying for, for the licenses. As of other companies, in the moment, like Facebook, Microsoft, etc., in the moment in which they start offering new services based on AI, and if we want to, to, to jump on the easiest understanding of AI and we, constrain ourselves to ChatGPT-like tools, then more consumers are going to be requiring access to uh, to these services and therefore pay for them.
1: So it's going to cost all of us a, a, a lot more money. I mean, I wonder, though, Jose, about about competition and if companies are going to be keeping all of their plans secret, private, close to their chest, because this technology is moving so fast and they don't want their competitors yes. you know, to, to get their, their first. That makes it really hard to talk about potential profits, doesn't it?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. The interesting twist about artificial intelligence in general is that it really relies on data. So let's say the tool the neural networks behind the transformers many of them are open what will make a tool better than the other is the data with which it is trained so right. i think that the discussion about competition should be directed towards who is owning which data who is the company that has exclusive access to some data about users about financial markets about performance about competitors and. The question there is Is if they are going to be able to utilize that data to train their own artificial intelligence that will give them this competitive advantage.
1: China's Premier Li Chang said recently that there needs to be a red line in, in AI hmm. development, a line that mustn't be crossed. Where, where do you think hmm. that line is?
3: That line, I think, lies or is in not giving this type of systems too much power to take action or to make decisions, if we give the artificial intelligence these human-like attributes, where the errors can be fatal. AI will do errors, just like humans will do errors, just like any type of system will eventually do an error we need to assess very clearly what are the consequences of making an error. Let me give you a practical example if this is what we're looking for. If um, an artificial intelligence is set to determine a treatment for a patient and by administering a dose of particular medicine, um, an error may lead to the death of that patient, then eventually we want to set a red line there and say at some point we need always a human uh, bottleneck that will determine if we follow the advice of the artificial intelligence or not. Now, If we are thinking about artificial intelligence that is helping a company to assess which employees are more likely to leave the company, then missing the employee that is going to leave the company, of course, is going to be an error with negative consequences for the company, but it's not going to be something that threatens the existence of the organisation. So I think that we need to differentiate what are the problems that we want to delegate to an artificial intelligence and in which problems do we need a human to actually press the final button.
1: But it is going to take the, the world coming together on governance to ensure we don't Cross that red line, um, isn't it? I mean, h- how do you see that happening?
3: Mm-hmm. I am not particularly optimistic in that sense because uh, if a common agreement would be reached and then someone not following that agreement could, at least in the short term, benefit from deviating from that agreement, then chances are very high that this someone, being in a country, organization, etc., will deviate from that agreement and then the consequences can be actually very very negative so we are back in a very traditional <laughs> governance problem about how do we govern this uh, new resource that is out there the artificial intelligence and uh, the challenge is going to be is going to be here for for a while so i, I think that um, it's, it's far from far from easy to find a solution there and it's something that is going to be on the table for the next couple of years for sure
1: Jose Paramoyano, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming soon on the agenda, new productive forces. How technology is driving China's modernization. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in London, goodbye.